Live from Kalaloo Studios in New York City, you are listening to Let's Take It Offline with your host, Ishana Palmer. Hey, Fab Crew. You're listening to Let's Take This Offline, the podcast for everyday leaders. Part inspiration, part Sit down, let's have a conversation. Here's where you'll find the real deal about living well and leading well. I'm Kashana Palmer, your host and resident leadership whiz. And now, let's take this offline. All right, Fab Crew. So in the studio today, I am so excited to introduce the man, the myth, the legend, my daddy, Linval Palmer. Now, if you're friends with him, and sometimes even if you're not, he goes by Bernard because, as he would tell you, people can't even remember the, his first name, but I think it's actually quite special. And everything that I know in the real world, not all this book smart stuff, I learned it from my daddy. And so I could not think of anybody that I wanted to have kick off our podcast than my dad. So, Daddy, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Oh, my gosh. Pleasure, pleasure. Daddy, when I told you that I was going to be doing a podcast, what was your first thought that came to mind? Well, first of all, let's make a joke about this. I had no idea what a podcast was. <laughs> still really, I still really don't, so I'm actually feeling my way as I go, as I go through right now. But I must say that um, I'm actually very pleased and happy to see what it's turned out to be. Now, Dad, I hear you have an accent. Where Ac- are you from? Accent. I believe that's from my cooking. It's the accent before <laughs> cooking. I'm actually, I'm actually from Jamaica, parish of Clarendon. All the Jamaicans in the house. Yachty, Jamaica, massive. Listen, y'all, don't let the lack of accent fool you. I'm an actual full-on Jamaican woman, okay? Right, Dad? Without, without a doubt, 100%, 100%. 100%. So, Dad, you know, a lot of people ask me um, how I got my name, Kashana. It's a pretty unique name. Although, Dad, just this morning, my friend Angela called me and told me that she had somebody who made a friend request whose name was Kashana, spelled with one S-H. And then we went on this huge rabbit hole search down the Googles and found it on Facebook and other things. There's lots of Kashanas now. Most of them are younger than me, I just want to say. None spelled like mine. But how did you come up with Kashana? Because mom said that you named me. Interesting. That's very interesting. When your mom was pregnant, we were going over names. And I remember... Vaguely, that she had come up with the name Ketania. Um, I was, uh, and your mother was actually in love with um, Sean Connery. Yeah. Because I believe 007 at the time was one of the big movies out. So she told me initially that uh, <clears throat> she was going to have a boy. <laughs> <laughs> now, my intention at the time was to actually name the boy Sean. Now, after Sean Connery. After Sean Connery. Come without, through. Without a doubt. But Dad, you could have named me Sean anyway. No, 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 no. Not a girl. Not a, <laughs> I don't believe. Listen, <laughs> that would be actually reminding me of a story of a, a girl, a boy named Sue. Uh, you, boy, you knew a boy named Sue? No, actually it was a country western song about a boy named Sue. So if I name you Sean, I think we'd be actually going down that path again, which <laughs> I wasn't trying to do. Not, <laughs> so, not in them days. <laughs> 
not in them days at all. So we ended up on a compromise because, like I said, she had this name, Catania. I don't remember where she got that from, to be honest with you. But we actually took both names from the Catania and I put Sean with it. And somehow we came up with Keshana. So, but this, this spelling with the double S inside it basically was because of Sean Connery. So S-H-A-U-N was going to be there, but we turned it into S-H-A-N-A, actually. That's, that's, that's just all that came about. And I had a whole nine letters. Dad, I don't know if you remember this, but over the course of my childhood, I tried to change the spelling of my name like a million different ways. Really? Yeah, I added a W. I added a U. I took out the <laughs> S-H one time. Like, I just kept doing things to my name. And then finally, I just... Settled on just the way you gave it to me. That was it. Well, I got news for you. Um, the memory is not exactly what it used to be, so, but I don't really remember that you actually had a problem with it or that you actually tried to change it. I wasn't but, telling y'all that. <laughs> Obvious, obviously not. <laughs> obviously not. But listen, what it came down to in the end, it was a very unique name for a very unique personality. And uh, in the end... If I had it to do a hundred times over, I wouldn't have changed it. I wouldn't change it for the world. The spelling, the unusual spelling, the person that is turned out to, to, to actually fit, I wouldn't change it for a million bucks. Ooh, listen to that. <laughs> Look, my daddy talking nice to me. I love it. <laughs> listen, y'all, I just want you to know that before I was even born, my daddy knew that I was going to be special. Is that not right, Dad? Without a doubt. <laughs> you were first born, you had to be special. Without a doubt. <laughs> so, Dad, over the course of my entire life growing up, you turned what felt like everything into a learning opportunity. It was always an opportunity to have to get a little lesson in, whether we were hanging out at Burger King or we were walking in the mall or something. It was a lesson you wanted to teach me. And one of the things that I remember you said to me from when I was probably in single digits real early in life was that my only competition was myself. That is so true. You know, um, Having been been a one of uh, twenty one siblings. Wait a minute! Stop the presses, friends. I just want you to to understand that I have in my first line of lineage twenty aunts and uncles. Continue, Dad. <laughs> yes, like I was saying, I've been one of twenty one. You know, a survival and always learning was something that we had to always um, do. My um, father passed away when we were when I was quite young. Actually, I think I was about seven. But in that time frame, we had like about, <clears throat> I would say, five or six siblings that were actually younger than me. Remember, I said I was seven. My mom raised us, and one of the things she always taught us was that every opportunity is a learning experience, and it's a time to teach. So she was one of those, uh, one of those ladies that you would never ask a question and it would ever be answered with a yes or a no. It was always, if you ask the question, I'm going to give you a question and you will end up answering your own question. So, so mama was the original therapist, without is what you're a saying. Doubt. Without a doubt. It was all, this is all something uh, uh, passed down from my mom. And it was something that I actually uh, enjoyed doing because I believe uh, there's an old saying that's when opportunity comes, when opportunity knocks, open the door. There's always a chance to teach and you should never allow that opportunity to go. So again, this is from my mom. I pass it down and I remember Kishana having, and even her daughter now, 
they'll ask me a question. I actually see them take a sigh like, oh boy. Here uh, dad, I'm right here. I, I do sigh. Every time I'm like, so dad, let me talk to you about. So and you're like, you know, this reminds me of a story. And I'm like, here we go again. But it's always like really, really good. So I feel like telling me from very early on that uh, I'm my only competition. Like, what was the point of you like driving that home? Because you started that with me like, I might have been in first grade. I mean, like, it was really, really, really young. You see, I always, my mom always tell me, and that's, again, everything you notice, I will refer to my own mom. She was one of those that always believed that we are our worst enemy or we are our best friend, one way or the other. The, the, the idea of your, you being your only competition is actually telling you that no one can make you fail or no one can make you succeed but you, you have control of your own, you have control of your own things. And therefore the decision that you make or not make is what's going to either make you or break you. That's so, right. Yeah. So that, that's basically was the, the, the whole thing behind it. You know, anything in life that you want to do, and if you're determined enough to do it and you persevere, you normally can get it done. Uh, Most, you know, they, they, I, you remember the whole saying that I'm always telling you that a winner never quits and a quitter quit never, never wins, wins, you know? That's right. And I think that those were some early leadership lessons for me, because one of the things that that you didn't even realize probably that you were teaching me by telling me that I am my only competition was to really like keep my eye on the prize and to focus on what I'm doing. And I remember that so clearly because you would always ask me when I got my report card. And y'all, I just want to tell y'all this quick thing, okay? Like, my daddy is no joke. I, I definitely was the, the M-A- was am and will always be the apple of his eye, Without along with my sister. Without but I will say that my birthday is in May, y'all, okay? And report cards in New York City where I grew up come in June. And it was always a fantastical surprise to me that my parents would be like, let's see how your report card goes, even though my report cards were always A's. And so the only question my dad would ask me before I got my report card, before he looked at it was, did you do your best? And if the answer was yes, dad, you were always satisfied. And if the answer was no, no matter what the grade was, y'all. And if the answer was no, you'd be like, why not? What are we going to do differently next time? What were you doing? What was your, like, what was your thought behind it, dad, your approach to just having me focus one on making sure that I am my only competition and also reinforcing the notion to myself of did, did I do my best? See, the worst uh, beating or flogging, as we would call it in, in the English uh, language, flogging <laughs> that you can actually get is one that you actually deliver to yourself. Ooh. As the great Robert Nestor Marley says, you, 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 you can run, you're running and you're running and you're running away, but you cannot run from yourself. Now, if you take a, a, anything in life that you uh, as a challenge, and if you uh, are... Did not do your best in, uh, ch- in, in in taking care of the business. When the results come back that you did not like or did not feel what you're satisfied with, you're going to be actually, as we say, flogging yourself continuously because you know you did not do your best and you could have done better. It was it's always going to be this: What if I had done this? If I had done this. This could have been if I had done. So my my focus was always to make sure that you can look yourself in the mirror 
and say to yourself, you know something, I did the best I can and my best maybe needs to work. I need to work a little harder, but I am satisfied that I did the best I can. And that was always, if you can look in the mirror and be satisfied with the person looking back at you, you're usually going to be all right. Woo. And it's so interesting that, that, you know, that was uh, such a foundational um, message for me and just a part of just like me just being at the front of everything. Cause you remember me dad growing up, I, you know, when was I not class president or this or that, or the one running things and you would come into the building when it was time for the performance or the award. And you just had this look of like, and like, this is what it is. Like, why, what, what was your approach to that? Like, what, why were you kind of like, I mean, like even now you're like, I mean, like, so of course you're successful like that. That's what it is. You know, something, if, if you ever put your uh, put your hand on anything in life and didn't succeed at it, I'd actually be surprised, to be honest with you. Ooh. So I was never surprised at the marks that you got or anything that you achieve. One of my biggest, uh, believe it or not, disappointments, well, it's not, I wouldn't, maybe I call it disappointment, is, but I leave it at that, is that I never was able to, at the time, because of different, different circumstances, get you into sport. I would have been absolutely astonished if you had gone into sport at what you could have done with it, because there was nothing that you put your hand on that you couldn't, that you didn't excel at. And that was basically nothing that you did in, nothing that you accomplished actually surprised me. Maybe that's that. Maybe I was just cocky or confident or uh, sure of myself. Yes. You were like, (laughs) I put this kid out in the world. I already know it's about to be good. And it's so interesting that you always said it to me. Like the one thing you regretted was not putting me in sports growing up. But the reality is, um, it brings to mind a conversation you and I had a couple years after you retired. Um, and I asked you, have you ever done hard work since you've been in this country? And I was shocked by your response. Daddy, tell 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 the folk what you told me. Because I was like, what? As best as I remember, I actually said no. Yep. That's astounding, by the way. Because like many West Indians, you've had many jobs. Three jobs, four jobs. Actually, I had more than that. <laughs> I remember one of my sister once asking me if I ever got a time to sleep. And they would joke that I was doing what we call making the donuts. I was always up making the donuts at whatever time. <laughs> but, you know, that never really bothered me. My whole, my complete focus was to make sure that the family had whatever they needed. It was all about the family. Um, hard work to me, I have never done in this country uh, really. In growing up, as I said earlier on, my, my father passed away early and my mom, it was dependent on my mom and the rest of my siblings to actually take care of what we needed to do yeah. in order to survive. Now, as with a lot of uh, countries and Jamaica being one of them, my mom did um, actually sell some things in the marketplace and so forth. So we actually survived by depending on what the land provided for us. There were a typical morning would be waking up at 4.30 in the morning. My mom had a song that she would sing. It was called Come to Jesus. Yes, that was your wake up song? (laughs) It was a wake up song. (laughs) But but my mom had uh, had also another thing. 
If you didn't come to Jesus, the belt would be coming to you. Hey, hey, is there one? So you is wake, there one? So you would wake up. <laughs> so you'd wake up no matter what. But what I'm getting around to basically is that we get up at 4:30 and we'd head to the fields because each of us had a particular thing that we were required to do. We had a few cows, so you had to go to the cows. You would uh, actually <clears throat> separate the the mother cow from the the calf in the night, so you can have milk when you go in the morning. You then release the the, the, the the calf to actually have the mother let the milk down and then you move that poor calf away and then do your own milking. Terrible. That was just one of the examples. We're talking about 4.30, 5 o'clock and the, the field that we work in was approximately uh, maybe two miles from the house. That was just the beginning of your day. That's we, crazy. We would be in the field till maybe about uh, 8.15 then we'd leave that field, me and my brothers mostly, we'd leave that field after we complete, head to the house, get whatever was actually made for breakfast, which was <laughs> not much many times, but it was enough to sustain you. And then we had, our school was a mile from, exactly from my house. So we'd run to school. That was early training. That was about nine. And for the rest of the time that I was in Jamaica, it came here when I was 17, came here when I was 17, we did whatever was necessary to survive growing up in, a, in, in, in the farm and in the country. So when I came to this country and I had to do work, I never considered work. It was long hours, maybe long hours, but it wasn't work. So no, to your question again, that's why I said, I never worked that day hard day in this country. And I just want y'all to know my dad is being modest. And so my dad has done everything from be a bellman, elevator operator, telephone telephone operator, an orderly. He had two jobs in two nursing homes at the exact same time, working four jobs in the four nursing homes. And his rotating shift, if I remember this when I was little dad, was you did a seven to three. And then a few days a week, you did a 3 to 11. And then a few days a week, you did a 11 to 7. And you were off one half day and then one day each week in rotating. And on the day off, you spent your time with me. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And that's why I had a love for shopping and burgers. Because, y'all, anybody who knows me knows my shoe collection is wicked. Daddy, it's your fault. Well, listen... I had limited amount of time and limited amount of resources. Yeah. But one of the things that I have always uh, believed in, and that's something that my mom instilled in me also, is that your children really doesn't value you based on what you can give them, but that's based true. on the time that you can actually spend with them. So my biggest, my thing was about spending as much time with you as I could. And Burger King at the time was always running specials. Yeah. So. <laughs> Even though I didn't have enough money in my pocket, I was always able to go to Burger King. Get yes, get this two for and, one. And guess what? You do the two for one at Burger King and walk the mall. It kills a lot of time. We spend a lot of time in the park. A lot of time together. A lot of time in the park. About we even had, you remember we actually had a, 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 a hug for the a We had a hug. Night, okay, so y'all, I'm going to do this for y'all because we're taping this. Dad, too, doing a little video so folks will see. So if you're listening to this right now, so this hug, my dad, um, from as long as I can remember, worked at night. And then when you went to corrections that you worked overnight, which is a choice, right? So you could be available to us in the daytime. And so we would do this hug where I would lift up my right hand mm -hmm. and then I would lift up my left hand. Mm -hmm. I would take my right hand and put it over my left shoulder. I would put my left hand over my right shoulder. Mm -hmm. 
I would lean in and then I would squeeze. And that was our hug every single day. Oh my gosh, dad, I'm going to cry. Without a doubt. Listen, when you can't get to spend the amount of time that you would actually want to spend with your children, it is very, very important that you have some kind of a connection with that child or the, the children that they understand that though you might not be exactly there, that you are absolutely there, even though you're not in person. Absolutely. And I think that, so if anybody is thinking about like my work ethic, dad, and like, cause folks are always like, Kishama is a beast. Like, where does she get it from? You're always on the go. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> my dad, you know, like just having the example for all my parents actually. So, um, of what it means to like work hard and what it means to like really focus on your family and what it means to establish legacy, what it means to, um, take care of yourself. Cause dad, you know, for a retired, sir, you know, you in good shape. You know, you over there as fathers that we've posted you looking like a snack with a six pack, which is why, Dad, I just want to tell you also, it's probably the reason why I'm still single. I just want you to know, okay? Because, you know, you a man of a certain age taking good care of yourself. Some of these gentlemen are out here in the streets closer to my age in the 40s and so they're not really taking good care of themselves. Now, Dad, tell me why you think being able to be a leader also means taking care of your body and your mind. Hmm. Well, leadership, mind, body, taking care of those. Well, first of all, you got to remember this. The mind is the most powerful thing that you, can, that you do have. <clears throat> if, you don't, if your mind is not right, then nothing else is going to be right. Say that again, Dad, for the people in the back. The mind is one of the most powerful things that you have. If the mind is not right, nothing else is going to be right. A lot of people hesitate to actually do exercise because it makes them tired. But guess what? By exercising, you're actually, the body has lots of muscles. You have to use them. You know the old saying, you either use it or you you lose lose it. it. Now, I keep busy both mentally and physically. Why? I believe in the old adage, Grass never grows on busy street. Mm. Leadership. Let me go to leadership now. And how do I actually feel about leadership and what exactly, what exactly uh, is leadership? Leadership entails to me a lot of different things. Um, to be a, a good leader, you have to first set examples. Leadership does not mean that you are able to tell people exactly what to do when to do, boss them around. Leadership is, to me, is being able to have people follow you with freely, willfully, because of the example that you actually set. When I was working, I was uh, actually a union representative for 19 years in one particular place. And I went on challenge, first of all. I had a director of nursing that did not speak to me for six months because Though we got along beautifully, there were certain principles that I would not would not back down from. We had a particular incident that we I even though I knew she had uh, completed the end that she was required to do, mm-hmm. because there were paperwork that was needed to be signed and she did not have them signed, I could not go along with her. So I had to take the side of the person that I believed to be not really truthful, but based on principles, the work. The word, the, the, the requirement was that she had to have paperwork signed. Yeah. And she didn't. So I actually had to go against her. It's principle. Be, uh, leadership is about principle. 
It's about discipline. It's about having people follow you willfully, freely, without having to force them. I love that. And I feel like for me, one of my values that continues to echo because of just my early home training is that integrity, right? Like, what do you do when no one's looking? I remember you used to always say like, character is the thing that you build when no one is looking. And so being able to be disciplined in the way that you approach your life and the way you approach your work, it doesn't have, you can't do it a hundred percent of the time, all the time, dad. And we're going to talk about that too. But we know that you have to make a decision about being a leader long before you ever get the leadership spot. So I think about your time at corrections and you've told me, you know, I could have done a captain's test. I could have done this and that, but you chose your family and you chose to be president to lead in other ways, but you still had an impact. I mean, there's not, there's folks who were in as in corrections with you, both who are correction officers and also who are inmates, et cetera, who still stop you on the street. You still get invited to all the stuff. Why do you think that is that? Well, I, in that, on that vein, first of all, I had a, a, a saying, I told a few of my correction officer friends, that I believe that if there was ever a riot in my building, I would either be one of the first officers to be eliminated or one of the first officers to be protected. Now, one of the reasons was that is that I, I did not compromise my integrity. When it comes to they, the inmates and the officers knew exactly where I stood on certain things, no matter how um, friendly I was with an inmate. And there were a lot of them that I was friendly with because guess what? They grew up in my same neighborhood. They were my kids. They were the kids that I played ball with. There were many times I went to the park and I was there playing with ball with the same kids that were incarcerated recently. The kids that stopped me on the street to tell me, to show off their family to me because I sat down and listened to them. But they also knew that if something jumped off or happened where I needed to make a choice, they knew where I was. I was blue, bottom line. And that does not mean that I'm going to take advantage of a situation, but it means you know where I am. Um, integrity is something that I would never compromise on. And because of that, a lot of people gravitate to me. When I, when I, before I left uh, my job, uh, approximately... 50% of the new officers that came in were actually sent to my post on the night shifts that I work to be trained. See, you finish the, the academy and you, you think you know the job, but when you come to the job, hey. you actually learn the job. Wait, but you know, Dad, hold on a second. Before you go on, hold that thought. <laughs> a lot of young professionals, particularly now in this generation, are leaving school with really great credentials, with just a real keen instinct, but they confuse expertise with experience. And so what you just said right there is that's the clinch. You might've went to the lab. You might've done some experiments, but things got to blow up a few times before you really get the formula. So I love that. So you had all these folks who will come who had to be trained um, by you before you left. Go ahead. Without a doubt. You see, I had um, um, officers that became captain. I chose not to uh, take the captain's test because, as you explained, as you said before, uh, family uh, came first. What happened is, it, to make it short, is that the test that I would, would have uh, qualified me came when I was too far along on the job and it would have necessitated me actually going back on what we call the wheel, which is different shifts at different time and so forth. And I didn't want to do that. Um, so, there are officers that actually came in much, much, many, many years after I did, and they became uh, captains, so they became my supervisors. So when they would come to the 
half of them were actually learning the job because you're on the job for five years and you make a captain, you really don't know the jobs in most cases. So if an officer, if a new captain comes to my post and is doing something that I believe or I know to be not exactly according to, you know, what it's supposed to be, what I would do is I say, Cap, no matter how much I know as a Cap, respectfully, but maybe you would want to try it this way or this way because this, if that captain sort of, even if they don't say anything, but they actually just make sure they do it the way I was suggesting or not do it the way they were doing it before, that's a captain I have no problem working with further on. But if that captain seems to want to uh, show me that they are the captain, I'm not saying anything. I'll let you swim or sink on your own. So <clears throat> too many people do. When I got on the job, I knew nothing about the job. There's an old joke that many times is the inmates on the job that teaches you the job. Woo. Because most times the inmates on the job know the job better than you. They are there all their life and all they do is study you. Study what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do. And hey. So, you know, you learn the job from them, but you must taper that with the rules and regulations and what you were taught in the academy. So when new officers come in, you got to also teach them your experience along with what they know also. Dad, let me tell you how you just broke it down and people don't even realize that. So one of the things that we talk about on this podcast it two things. One, intergenerational team. So you just broke down how to finesse different levels of experience and age. So we're going to come back to that in future episodes, y'all. So make sure that y'all stay tuned for that. But another thing you broke down is something that I talk about a lot when it comes to being a black professional in the workplace and in a position of leadership. And I've, I've said um, in a couple of different, um, on a couple of different occasions that if you think about actors and you think about British actors who play Americans, that they learn American accents like down to the ground, right? Like they took think of my favorite Idris. Oh, geez. Um, you know, he can come in here and be an American rapper in a minute because he has been studying our accents, studying our craft. You never really see it in the reverse. You don't see that with American actors, how they can really lock it in on um, accents from other places, right? And so I compared that to being a black professional in the workplace. I've been studying white folk my whole life. The whole script, the game, how to do things, how to move, how to be. And so if it wasn't for your early leadership examples on how to maneuver within myself before it was pressure tested, and then my ongoing experience and time up at bat and practice and practice on how to navigate white spaces, then I wouldn't understand how to maneuver professionally because I wasn't studying the game. So when you talked about inmates in this particular example, because a lot of black and brown folk really do feel like inmates um, in prison at their professional environments. That's what we're going to be covering a lot of in this podcast that folks have been studying a long time and could teach you a thing or two or three or four. Some of us are tired of teaching. But the bottom line is that we learn a lot about the systems we're in even if we are not in a position of power. So I don't even know if you realize you just broke that whole thing down to the ground. <laughs> just like, simple and easy. It's, it's, <laughs> it's interesting because um, I never saw it really quite that way. You know, when I, when I do things or when I talk about things, I talk about it based on just feel. Um, you know, multitasking. You, 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 you sell yourself short in many ways because... Um, Me? Yes, you do. Because I believe that your your ability to multitask is is on par with none. You understand me? And the one of the things that you're very good at, and 
is something that I watch you do is adaptability. You talk about learning somebody else's craft, studying somebody else and their ways and so like that's called adaptability in my book. You see, too many of us are too, maybe for lack of a better word, too full of ourselves or too arrogant to actually realize that it is necessary to study what they, you know, there's an old saying, let me cut it off. Hey, it is, it is always, you should keep your friends close, but you should always keep your enemies closer. Come on now. Why do you keep your enemies closer? Because you know what your enemies are doing at all times if they're closest to you. That's why you keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Always study the opposition because I listen to different, different channels and different, different opinions uh, of people. One of the things that I pride myself in is, in the, is the ability to uh, actually contribute to almost anything that anybody can talk about. Me too. All subjects. That's what I get. I know I get it from you. Like, if you're not versed in a room on a topic, what are you doing here? Like, I need you. And dad, I just want to say, stick a pin in that for a second. Reason number 1,265 why I might still be single. Because I just want you to know <laughs> that there are not a lot of gentlemen folks, at least that I run into, that can talk about politics, religion, liquor, sports, the what what the world is spinning on and the access. Eric Jerome Dickey, turn around and talk about dictionary words. Let's talk about cooking. Let's talk about like just have the the level of versatility in language and in their lexicon and in their conversation topics. And so it makes it very very challenging to um to find somebody who you're simpatico with. And so it doesn't what it, what ends up happening, you talk about adaptability is that you adapt to what you understand and you know. And so it makes you a powerhouse in one area and very low in another. <sighs> it, it is it is unfortunate. It is unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all like how I keep blaming my daddy for everything. It's your fault, dad. Yeah. And he's not, he's like, yeah, you well, right. Well, you know something? <laughs> I, will, I will not apologize in any way at all, or nor would I ever apologize for actually making or actually instilling in my kids, my daughters in particularly, that they are as strong as anybody out there and can do anything they want and that they should not settle for a second best in any ways. I believe that if you ended up, if you end up settling for less than what you think you are worth, somewhere along the line, you're going to end up looking in the mirror and going like, I don't like what I'm seeing over there. And the bottom line is that, like I said earlier in this conversation, is that you need to be, until you can look in the mirror and be very pleased with who's looking back at you, something is always going to be amiss. Absolutely. Dad, look, you know, we could talk all day. And so as a matter of fact, I think as a special treat for our listeners, we're going to bring you back each episode just for a little nugget. Because I feel like you just dropped about 30, 11, 2,402 different nuggets that we're going to want to explore on let's take this offline and you know being able to have the conversation after the conversation the one where somebody has to pull you to the side and go let me talk to you for a minute um you just had a couple of come over here let me talk to you for a second and so we i know folks are going to want to hear leadership lessons from my jamaican daddy and so i'm so excited that you just said yes you were like i don't even know what i'm getting into but here i am let me put this headphones on um and just to chat with us and we cannot wait to have you back my pleasure. I believe it or not, like you said a minute ago, you're right. I had no idea what I'm getting into. I still don't have any idea what I'm getting into. But you know, but you know something? Life is a journey. Yes. Life is a journey and one should never be afraid to start a journey. My mom always said, I go back to my mom at all time. If you never start it, you can never finish it. Hey, 
I think that's it. I think that's how we end that one. All right, y'all. We are going to be back for more episodes on Let's Take This Offline, the podcast for everyday leaders, where we talk about the topics and we have the conversations that are the meetings after the meetings. I want to thank Linval Palmer, my daddy extraordinaire, for joining me on this podcast episode. Please make sure that you subscribe, you download, you share it with your friends. On our next episode, we'll be talking about why your leadership might be making you sick. And you don't want to miss that. So make sure you hit the subscribe button and I'll be talking to you real soon. Love what you heard? Found a little nugget, but need more? Head on over to kishcamp.com, my masterclass for managers who are ready to do things differently at work and grow their skills so they can lead with confidence. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and leave a comment so we can keep the conversation going. in the meeting after the meeting the meeting after the meeting dad no what well, the meeting after the, the meeting we talk about it no no shade it up what happened at the meeting today we talk about it we talk about it i'm keeping you should. It's, it's hysterical. Go ahead.